When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is Jim Harbaugh going to do? Ohio State got a new athletic director, and Kalen DeBoer pulled not one, but two FBS coaches to join his staff at Alabama. Let's talk about it. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we got to talk about Ohio State hiring a new athletic director. Got to talk about what Kalen DeBoer's staff has included and what he's still looking for. And we're going to get real deep into what's going on at Michigan and what to expect from them in 2024. But first, hey, you can already hear it in my voice. I'm a little bit raspy. I've been very much under the weather. Throat's a little bit dry, working through a cold, like zero degrees, and there's ice on the ground, which is new news in Tulsa. So if you see me, take a break, get a sip of water, it's so I'm not coughing at you as we do this, all right? So let's get started with Jim Harbaugh and interviewing already for a head coaching job. I believe this is the third year in a row that Jim Harbaugh has either interviewed or shown interest in returning to the NFL. And after going 15-0, Winning a national championship in Michigan, I don't think anybody at Michigan would, would begrudge him the opportunity to coach in the NFL once again. Interviewing with the Chargers, I think, is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is I would love to see Dean Spanos spend the kind of money that Jim Harbaugh would be looking to hire a head coach. And then I would like to see L.A. Charger fans go, yo, dog, uh, where has this been the whole time? But, you know, before we get into that, let's, let's also acknowledge that before they were the L.A. Chargers, they were the San Diego Chargers, and that's important when we're talking about Jim Harbaugh because he really got his start as a head coach, coaching the University of San Diego and really turning them into a juggernaut, the kind that would win the Pioneer League, get the automatic bid, and then get ousted in the FCS. The reason that would happen is the Pioneer League does not give athletic scholarships, so you actually had to go get guys that were not on scholarship and create football players and create a winning football program. Went from there to another hard job, to Stanford. And got them to a BCS game and produced some of the best players that we've seen in a, quite a long while, including Andrew Luck, who I think many people would regard as one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation. And even as he retired early, early, depending on who you talk to at Indiana or Indianapolis, excuse me, you would tend to think that Andrew Luck had a pretty outstanding career in the NFL. You also got to see what Jim Harbaugh did with Colin Kaepernick and taking 49ers to the Super Bowl that he faced. His brother, John Harbaugh, Baltimore Ravens, and lost that game, returns to Michigan, and it wasn't going so well, right? Matter of fact, we got some years in there where it was looking like Jim Harbaugh was either trying to get up out of Dodge or they were going to get him up out the paint. And then 2021 happens. They show life. They win uh, against Ohio State. They win the Big Ten title. They make the college football playoff, right? They do it a second time. And then the third time, finally, they've done what no other Michigan team had done. They ran the table 15-0. They won the national championship in the college football playoff era. And now we're seeing not just Jim Harbaugh looking around because while, yeah, he has interviewed with the Chargers, 
It wouldn't shock me to find out that Jerry Jones tries to interview him if something were to happen at Dallas. It wouldn't shock me if he gets interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job. wouldn't shock me if anybody else made some openings, right, as we're still trying to figure out what's going on. We got Mike Tomlin storming out of press conferences because he might want to take a break with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I believe that one way or another, Jim Harbaugh is going to get his money. And I think nobody's going to begrudge him getting his money. Now, he has hired an agent, which is something he hadn't done before. Jim Harbaugh had been representing himself up until recently when he hired Don Yee, who's famous for being Tom Brady's agent, another Michigan man, noted quarterback in the professional football. <laughs> you know. Anyway, I'm looking at this and I'm going, the longer this keeps going on, the more I think it helps Michigan. The more I think you could get Jim Harbaugh to return to Michigan. And if that's the case, you get to keep this outstanding staff intact because as we are talking about this, We've seen coaches move around basically since the national championship game, but since the end of the season, and nobody of note has left that Michigan staff. Now, would a Sharon Moore or a Jesse Minter and the like want to join him wherever he decides to go, if that's in the NFL, or stay with him at Michigan? I think either way, they're going to try to do that, and then we can start talking about what Michigan might do if Jim Harbaugh decides to make the leap to the NFL. Either way, if he announces that he is staying, if he announces that he is leaving— we will do an emergency show right here. Not necessarily live, like we're doing it right now, but you'll get it just as soon as we know about it. I also want to get into what this looks like from a personnel standpoint. Because along with these players that helped win the national championship, Roman Wilson's gone. Blake Corum is gone. J.J. McCarthy is gone. So now we're going to see how they can rebuild, go into the portal, right? They're also going to lose about seven offensive linemen that were really great, especially down the stretch. All seven of those guys could get drafted in 2024. Could it be the Donovan Edwards and the Alex Origi show? Probably, right? We would love to see which wide receivers step up in a big way out there, right? Samaj Morgan being one of those, Tyler Moore being another one of those. But I'm really interested to see if Jim Harbaugh did make a leap to the NFL, how much of drafting J.J. McCarthy would be a part of that, right? Now, J.J. McCarthy is a little bit of enigma to me and to, I think, many people that watch pro football because his resume is unquestionably one of the best resumes in the sport. Matter of fact, I think when you're talking about winning games that matter and winning championships, he's up there with Trevor Lawrence, right? This is a guy who's lost one game as a starter and yet hasn't been setting the world on fire throwing the ball all over the yard. Now, the thing he did better this year than he has any other year is take care of the football. I kept expecting J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball to the other team or to have one of those, J.J., what are you looking at type of moments. He didn't have any of those like he had against Texas Christian. And that ended up being a tremendously big deal for Michigan down the stretch, which is a ball control offense and then a stifling defense. So how do you evaluate J.J. McCarthy in this NFL draft? Where do you rate him? Well, you rate him behind Caleb Williams. You rate him behind Drake May. You rate him behind Jaden Daniels. You rate him behind Michael Penix Jr. And you rate him behind Bo Nix. And I would even go so far as to say you rate him behind Sam Hartman. Even Sam Hartman didn't have the best year, but his numbers are prolific. And you can just take a look at what he done at Wake Forest. You want to feel better about that. However, if you're just looking to draft a winner, a guy that has won football games, you go get J.J. McCarthy, right? Now, the counterpoint to that is Mac Jones was a winner in Alabama. Okay, you see what I'm saying here? One does not necessarily translate to the other in the NFL. And at any given time, we could talk about two thirds of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL are sorry by our standards because it is the most difficult position in sports. 
being the starting quarterback of an NFL football team. That is why it is so highly paid. And that is why we have such turnover, right? That's why Joe Thomas can play a game of this was my starting quarterback this year at the Cleveland Browns. Because it's really difficult to get that job. It's really difficult to keep it. It's really difficult to do it well, right? So as we're evaluating J.J. McCarthy, I think just seeing how people look at him and who they compare him to is going to tell us the most. Because right now, I can't see drafting J.J. McCarthy ahead of these other guys, which means I can't necessarily see drafting J.J. McCarthy in the first round. However, I saw Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round. Again, I saw Mac Jones drafted in the first round. I saw Trey Lance drafted in the first round. So stranger things have happened, right? And some guys end up being absolute ballers, even when I don't believe that's in the cards for them. One being Josh Allen, who has had one of the greatest turnarounds of any individual player in the history of the sport, from what he was at Wyoming to what he's done with Buffalo. Gets Patrick Mahomes and them up there for the weekend. I'm also interested where J.J. McCarthy could turn out to be an outstanding player, but in what way, right? Is it that he's going to be a prolific passer? Is it that he's going to be a dual threat? Is it that he's going to have to go to an offense that does a lot of what Michigan does, which is run the ball first, in which case, yeah, you're just running Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? When we, no shade to Brock Purdy, but Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. You can win football games at a high level with that guy if all the other pieces around him are good. And that's really the point to harp on. If the pieces around J.J. McCarthy were not Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, or Roman Wilson, or Colston Loveland, or that outstanding offensive line would he be this good and given this talent should he have been better it's a fair question to ask right now you could take into account the kind of offense that jim harbaugh wants to run and the kind of identity that this program has of being tough first right and never flashy i just think that if you are a football team you got to be very clear about what your goals are and whether or not jj mccarthy can help you reach those goals now if you're going to play first round money you want to get first round play Right. I don't know that J.J. can do that for you in year one or year two. Take a look at Bryce Young and what he has been through just in this first year, having the guy that drafted him fired before the season's over. That's going to mess with your confidence. Now, what are the expectations for Michigan in 2024? Dog, like a bunch of middle-aged black men, I, I can't call it. Trying to get like you, you know. Michigan fans ain't got nothing to worry about or nothing to be mad about, Okay. You playing with house money in 2024 as long as uh, as far as I'm concerned, okay? It's not just that you won the national championship. It's that you beat Ohio State three times in a row and won the Big Ten title three times in a row, okay? All right? Now, I think those expectations adjust if Jim Harbaugh is not the head coach in 2024, but by how much? Now, their schedule is one of the toughest in all of football. I think Michigan and Oklahoma have the two toughest schedules uh, on paper that's January 2024. They got Texas on there. They got Washington on there. They got Ohio State on there. You, you can keep going. Fresno State. Like, there's a bunch of games on there that you wouldn't necessarily want to put on the schedule. It's not going to look like the last two, three years where Michigan has not been able to prove to us that they are good until they get into the meat of their Big Ten schedule. We're going to find out right away. That Texas team they're going to play returns its starting quarterback, most of its staff. It's going to be loaded for bear, right? Ohio State, we'll get to in a minute. They're in a really great space. We'll see what Penn State is capable of because, frankly, it's about beating Ohio State and Michigan for them because they're going to be that good. And then you're going to add in all these other new pieces, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. I think right now you could say that if Jim Harbaugh is the head coach and they're raising up Alex Origi 
and Sharon Moore is your coordinator, Jesse Minton is your coordinator, you could expect to try to repeat as Big Ten champs. But that's a big if, right? There's so many unknowns going into this 2024 season. I also think that you could probably pencil in getting into the college football playoff in this 12-team format because you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. You're going to get the Bama bounce, right? Bama lost by 10 to Texas, still made the college football playoff over an undefeated Florida State because we know what Nick Saban and Alabama are capable of. And I think Michigan has reached that point in the journey. As a matter of fact, going into the season, I'd ask, could you get past the Oklahoma ceiling, which is making the playoff, and then winning a game? And they did that. And not only did they win that game in overtime against Bama in the Rose Bowl, they took it straight to a really great Washington team to leave no doubt about who the national champion is for the 2023 season. Very excited to see what Michigan is capable of going into this 2024 season, but we're going to have to find out who the head coach is pretty soon before we can really start getting into the teeth of what that might look like. All right, let's go from talking about Michigan, talk about their nemesis, the Ohio State Buckeyes, and they have hired Carl Ross Bjork to be their athletic director. Now, I don't know that y'all get as excited about athletic director hires as I get excited about athletic director hires, but I gotta, I gotta go in on my guy Ross here. And by that, I mean, I gotta build him up, all right? My man hails from, by God, Dodge City, Kansas. That's one. Here's two. My guy graduated from Emporia State in Emporia, Kansas. I got to tell y'all, Emporia State's up there with Independence and Last Chance U, okay? I got a scholarship offer to run track in Emporia State. I did not take it, okay? The population of Emporia, Kansas is, let me check on the note. Big enough to whip your ass. Like, it's, it's like that. He country like to read about. Which is another way of saying he understands what the get down is. He understands what land grant universities are about. Okay? He understands what the agricultural and mechanical engineering is about. Okay? It's a man who's on the 2017 Emporia State Distinguished Alumni List, excuse me, along with an El Dorado Public Schools superintendent and a professor of accounting at Kansas Agricultural and Applied Sciences, a.k.a. the land-grant free state, Kansas State. Ross is country, okay? Before Ross was at Texas A&M, Ross was at Ole Miss, okay? Ross done time in Western Kentucky. And Ross acts like, yeah, I came out of Emporia. I know what time it is. So when he got to Ole Miss, you freeze. Didn't do much for him in that hey, he's not going to give me the willies. We won a bunch of football games, didn't we? Forget that one-year bowl ban. Forget the man that can't remember to use a burner phone, okay? He jumped from that job to AM. and What did he do at AM? He extended Jimbo Fisher. He extended Jimbo Fisher. And then, as a last act, he fired Jimbo Fisher. And he left AM with the bill because he understands they don't give a damn about no money. It's a man who fired him because he said, we stuck in neutral. He said that last month. He said, no, excuse me, he said that in November, not last month. He said that in November. And in January, he's the new AD at Ohio State after hiring the head coach at AM and Mike Elko? Okay, I'm just saying, Ross is the kind of dude that you can't tell nothing. And as a man that you can't tell nothing, I respect it. I respect it. So he's going to show up to Ohio State understanding what it means to be the athletic director at the Ohio State University because he held a grudge against Texas as AD and A&M. We are never going to schedule them in a non-con. 
ever. One of my favorite rivalries because they absolutely hate each other. And now that they're going to have to play each other for the first time in over a decade, he's bounced all the way up to Ohio State where he understands what the Buckeye fans understand. We hate Michigan. Anything and everything we can do to beat the public Ivy school up north. Okay, it says state in the name, and he's going to ride with that. I love me some Ross Bjork here. I also think that this is very interesting in as far as if you want a guy who is going to have the fans' pulse of what the head coach is or isn't, Ross is your guy. Ross is not going to stand on ceremony if he thinks that most of the donors and most of the fans are out on the head coach. He ain't the guy to go to bat for his guy, okay? He is the guy to say, hey, here's about winning football games. It's about winning at a high level. Can you do that? Because if you're not, I'm going to go get somebody else. Might not be somebody else that can do it. See Jimbo Fisher. But I'm going to go get somebody else. Now, that said, I think Ryan Day is in a great spot. But I've thought that Ryan Day is in a great spot for the last five years. I Seven years. Goodness me. Honestly, we're going back. I'm really looking at this and I'm asking, what does Ryan Day have to do to convince Ohio State fans and by association, Ross Bjork, that he is the guy to lead them not just in 2024, but 2025, 2026, until such a time as he wants to get up and leave. He's going to have to beat Michigan. That's it. He beats Michigan. It will buy him 2025. He loses to Michigan. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be real tough because nobody holds a grudge about losing that football team like Ohio State fans hold a grudge to losing to that football team, especially with Michigan having won the Big Ten title three times in a row and now having won a national championship, okay? You're going to look around and go, hey, Ryan, what, what's give, dog? We got beat by Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. What, what, what are we doing here? To which I'm going to get into a little bit later on just what he's got returning. But I think it's important to say that Ross Bjork hiring at uh, – his hiring, excuse me, at Ohio State really means more to Ryan Day than it does to us because this is a new dude that you got to convince. It's a guy who's seen you from afar. It's a guy who's probably very much familiar with your work, and it's probably a guy that really wants you to succeed because he understands what I understand. You're a winner. You know how to win football games. It's that record against Michigan that you got to get fixed. And I hate to say that you have to start building your football team around one game. But that's what it's become at Ohio State. You got to build your football team around that one game to end the season in November. Come hell or high water, you got to win. Okay. Now, he's going to have all sorts of help to do that because nobody has left that staff that Ryan Day did not want to leave that staff. Okay. That's one. Two is you're returning a whole bunch of guys. Like they basically just lost Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr., everybody else of substance. That they can get back, they are getting back. That includes JT Tuimolau. That includes Jack Sawyer. That includes Tyleek Williams. That includes Donovan Jackson, Denzel Burke, Emeka Ibuka, Travion Henderson. And then they got a little bit more help with Quinshawn Jenkins from Ole Miss out of the portal and Will Howard transferring from Kansas State to Ohio State. I also want to hang out on Will Howard here for a second because I'm reading that y'all don't believe that Will Howard is somebody. To which I'm saying, Will Howard is all a six foot four. 240 pounds. That boy is is basically the same size as Cam Newton. Okay? He can run and he can throw. And he came off the bench in 2022 to lead Kansas State to the Big 12 title in a year in which Texas Christian looked a lot like Florida State. Okay? That guy's a winner. 
And as a grad transfer, I think he's going to give you exactly what you need, not just the bridge, but not unlike Justin Fields, a guy that can lead you back past Michigan into the college football playoff and give you a shot to win the national championship. On the other side, again, we still got a Jim Knowles over here. He's hired his guy, Matt Geary, who goes back to coaching safeties and whatnot. I think they're going to be okay. But I'm really going to be paying attention to that wide receiver core, not just because Abuk is back, but because Carnell Tate is still there. Brandon Ennis is still there. They're still loaded at pass catching, man. And I yet, and yet, I don't think they're going to throw the ball that much. I really think that this is the year where you ride Javion Henderson and you ride Quinshawn Judkins and you make people load the box against you so you can get one-on-ones on the outside and let those wide receivers do what they do because Will Howard will hit them in stride. I'm more than curious, though, how this is going to affect name, image, and likeness because this is where Ross Bjork has done a great job. And one of the things I think Ohio State wants to be elite at The NIL partnerships, the way in which you structure the athletic department around these things, the way that you make them work for the athletes and the school, right? The way you get everybody pulling in the same direction at a place that is as big and as famous as the Ohio State University. I think that we could see Ohio State hit another gear in this new era of college football because of Ross Bjork. I really do. I think this is a great hire. I couldn't be more excited about it because also Ross is going to say some stuff. And as a host, I love it when people say stuff because that gives me more stuff to talk about. So we'll watch this one pretty closely, especially as we get closer and closer to the season. Now we're going to watch to see who AM tries to go get to be its next AD. And if it's a splashy hire, I expect that it will be because, well, AM is the kind of people that um, show up to the boot scooting boogie and Lou Casey's. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. You understand what I'm saying? The high dollar shoes. All right. Let's go from that Big Ten team to another. Big 10 team, the Washington Huskies. You see what I did there? Now, Washington hired former Arizona head coach Jed Fish from Arizona to replace Kalen DeBoer. This is also just kind of a trickle-down effect from Nick Saban announcing his retirement, right? And we're going to continue to see this happen, right? Because Kalen DeBoer goes to Alabama. Jed Fish leaves Arizona to go to Washington. And then Brent Brennan goes to Arizona from San Jose State. But I think the the coaching job that Jed Fish did last year was one of the best in all the sport. And while I heard other folks say it didn't get the national coverage that it should have, I was here yelling about it. And I had been here yelling about it because 20 to 12 against Washington was the first clue. Playing USC to a damn near beating them was a second clue. They go win 10 games this year, and then they beat up on Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl with a true freshman at quarterback who didn't start the season as a starting quarterback. Noah Fafita is a guy. He's a dude. And this is after Jed Fish goes 1-11. And then five and seven. Now, the thing about him is that he's a journeyman, okay? I don't know that we've seen a whole lot of head coaches have as much movement over the past two decades as Jed Fish. This is a man who has worked for nine different NFL teams and four different college football teams in a variety of roles, mostly wide receivers, quarterbacks, offensive coordinator, okay? Got the head coaching job at Arizona, ain't looked back since. Now, getting back to Seattle, where he had once worked with Pete Carroll, where his son, Brennan Carroll, is Jed Fish's offensive coordinator, also plans to join him in Washington. That's a good space to be, right? I think that if Washington fans expect to be good this year, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. One, you lost a lot in the transfer portal. Two, this is a man who builds the offense, then he builds the defense, and then year three, we'll see, right? If he can succeed in getting Noah Fafita to join him at Washington— 
I think they got a shot to be a little bit more than competitive in their first year in the Big Ten. But you're going to have to get a quarterback. I think getting most of your staff on board was tremendous for him. I mean, he's he's been able to bring not just Brendan Carroll, but Jimmy Darty, Scotty Graham. Yes, that's Scotty Graham. And then Jordan Papal, who is a tight ends coach. I think defensively, still got some moves he can make. William Inge and Chuck Morrell are still around. They did not follow Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. Perhaps those are guys that you want to keep around because that defense was not great, but you would love to have some continuity. And one of the things that we've seen from great head coaches, they usually try to keep the defensive coordinator, right? We saw Urban Meyer do this at Ohio State, and you keep going on around. That's what you try to do, right? You try to keep somebody around that knows the program just a little bit and allows you to do what you do. Now, outside of that, you're going to have to really take a look at what you got and what you can go get at this time because the worst part about this for Washington is that it comes at a really low point in their career, uh, excuse me, in the coaching cycle, right? We're not used to this. Matter of fact, last time I saw one this late, it was May, and Kansas went to go get Lance Leipold. It's not something you want to do. It's something you have to do. So being able to go get a guy like Jed Fish, I think, was a tremendous win, as I thought the thing to go do was go get a young coordinator, somebody that can grow up with you, somebody who is not interested in making a leap pretty quickly or soon. I don't know that Jed Fish is that guy, right? So not only are you going to have to be patient with him, given his track record, you're going to have to expect him to get good with you and then take a look around, maybe back to the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. I do think that Washington is going to have to more or less live like Michigan is living now, except with an, without, without the national championship, where you get to celebrate having won the last Pac-12 title, having an outstanding season with Michael Penix Jr., having an outstanding couple of years, three years, two years, excuse me, with Kalen DeBoer. I think that's where you're going to have to live in 2024. It sucks. I'm sorry, but that just feels like what it is, especially with what Oregon has become just nasty and what that Big Ten is going to be, which, again, is nasty. As this continues, though, I'm also having my eyes on Kalen DeBoer and just what that first year at Alabama is going to be, which is a great way to get from Jed Fish to Kalen DeBoer. It's one thing to be introduced as the head coach at Alabama. It's quite another to be able to put together the kind of staff he's already assembled. He was able to bring Ryan Grubb with him, offensive coordinator at Washington, to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Tremendous get, right, to retain that guy. And then he shocked me with going to get not one, but two sitting FBS coaches to go join his staff. One being Kane Wobeck, who was the head coach at South Alabama. The Jaguars won 10 games last year. They showed up to Oklahoma State and had them putting money in the bag this year. He was also a defensive coordinator at Indiana when Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator in Indiana. So that one felt pretty pretty on brand. A guy that's in the state, has relationships with the high schools, has relationships all around the South, whose father spent 40 years coaching in the SEC footprint. And then you go get a guy like Mo Linguis, a head coach at Buffalo and an outstanding secondary coach who left that job to be your co-defensive coordinator and your secondary coach at Alabama. That is a tremendous get. It also means that his first job isn't to necessarily take a look around the DB room. It is to make sure that Caleb Downs is in it because I rate Caleb Downs as the best defensive back in all of football. That dude last year as a true freshman did everything Nick Saban asked him to do. They had him matching up on the best wideout and Brock Bowers. Okay. Seeing what he was capable of doing and knowing what that nickel and safety spot have been in the Nick Saban era. 
I don't know that there's a better player that we're going to see. He's up there with Kyle Hamilton and as far as his ability, right? I expect him to join the ranks of one Brian Branch or Malachi Moore. Excuse me. Excuse me. But I also think that if Mo Linguist expects to keep him, he's going to have to outwork Traveris Robertson. And I just don't see that as that is happening because uh, happening, excuse me, because Traveris left Alabama to go to Georgia. Actually, Kalen DeBoer tried to hire him to be the defensive coordinator, decided to stay at Georgia. Now, what's more important, your relationship with your position coach or your relationship with the university? And I got to believe that Nick Saban is going to try to help recruit Caleb Downs to stay at Alabama. And that might make a difference because Nick is going to be around the Alabama program. It's not just because Kalen DeBoer said, hey, look, wherever Nick Saban wants to go, he can go. As a matter of fact, I want him to bring me something, one thing every time I see him that we can improve in, improve on, that we can do better. And I'm sure Nick is going to have a list because it is not a man who decided to take a step back from coaching because he can't coach anymore. Okay. Took a step back from coaching because he didn't know how much longer he could give his entire being to being the head coach of Alabama. Now, that said, he can give nine tenths and he probably will. Okay, so if you need him to go close down to people, I think he's going to try to help you. He could be your best friend, I think. And I think helping uh, helping keep Caleb Downs there would be a tremendous boon for Alabama in 2024. And then we'll get to see just what else he adds to the program. Because one of the things I love about Kalen DeBoer is he knows how to do more with less. He also understands the value of continuity. So it's not just that he's bringing in guys that know what it looks like to run programs and are going to be able to run their position groups with that knowledge in the back of their heads is that he is also the kind of guy that does not let guys go without trying to get them either a better job, right, or raises. Like, it's really cool, right? It's kind of the opposite of what Jed Fish has done. Now, Jed Fish also went from New Jersey down to Florida to learn how to be Steve Spurrier. That ain't how Kalen DeBoer came up, right? That dude came up not unlike Coach Saban did. Right. He was having to do it the hard way. Matter of fact, I think Kalen DeBoer is still the dude that can teach you how to take a snap from center. And I don't know a whole lot of coaches. I'd be talking on the phone that can still do that. Right. Like where you put your hands, how you put them on the laces, where your hand is supposed to go underneath the center. These fundamentals are so important to the head coach because it understand he understands what it means for you to know those fundamentals for you to teach them. Nick Saban's out there teaching footwork. Right. Matter of fact, Kevin Steele. One of his last press conferences ever. I'll never forget this. He was asked as they were getting ready to play the Rose Bowl, you know, uh, you call him play as a defense coordinator. And he said, um, how many how many defense coordinators do you think Alabama has? And dude was like, um, uh, one. Okay. Who do you think it is? And he said, you, you're wrong. The defense coordinator at Alabama is a guy who's won seven national championships <laughs> because that's what it's been, right? I'm interested to see how Kalen's image goes over at Alabama and especially how rambunctious the SEC is, how they're going to get around that that dude from the Dakotas, that dude who spent some time out Fresno, that dude that spent some time out Seattle. Because I don't know that this man has ever been to a Bucky's. I don't know that he knows Croakley's. I don't know that he understands what Waffle House and Chick-fil-A mean down here. But I can guarantee you he's going to find out. All right. I'm excited about what Alabama football can be in 2024. And again, what is going to be a pivotal year for everybody. 
I think one of the things that you can take into account is keeping Jalen Milrow is huge, but will Jalen Milrow be their guy? But they need some help at wide receiver, and they need some help at tight end, right? Nari Nyblack, gone, right? Isaiah Bond transferred to Texas. Roydell Williams, running back, transferred to Florida State. They're going to have to rebuild on that side of the ball, but that's easier to do than on the defensive side of the ball, which is where they're going to lose a ton and where they're going to get most exposed, all right? So Kane Womack is going to have to do a job. Mo Linguist is going to have to do a job. Keeping Freddie Roach is going to help with that. But then we're going to have to see because there's nothing easy about being the head coach at Alabama, and there's nothing easy about winning games at Alabama. One more note that I just want to glance at here is keeping running back coach Robert Gillespie. I'm going to throw one out to Robert Gillespie right quick. In 1997, I was 10, and I would go to Hattiesburg High games when I was in Hattiesburg to see my grandmommy. Hattiesburg High, my mama's alma mater, was across the street from Dixie Youth Baseball. And I would show up there to watch the football team play. And everybody would tell me about this dude, Robert Gillespie, who ended up going for 2,600 yards and was all state, went to Florida, played in the NFL, came from North Carolina all the way back to Alabama, understands the South, understands winning, has created some really great tailbacks here of late. I think that's huge. That's amazing. Also, I get to say shout out to a Hattiesburg High alumnus, right? I bet that's going to get written up in the Hattiesburg American. All right. That is going to do it for tonight's live episode of the number one college football show. We will be back on Thursday with another show for you or emergency pod, depending on whether or not Jim Harbaugh makes a decision between now and then. So we'll see you then. Our number one college football show leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistant Kiara Santana put the special in our special teams. Social producer Javion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Dave Sable is sending in the signal. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. I, I am going to get a medicine ball. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sideline. The play snaps on my clap. We will see y'all on Thursday. Until then, stay low. Keep those feet driving. Doses.